I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals. Cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com. That's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S.com. Every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door. Magrents.com. Go Magnanimous. Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years, and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes, I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb, and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment, and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot. I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in, and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport, and boom, it's back on its way to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable, and listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short-form storytelling. If you're like me and you're pretty comfortable writing a story and putting a story together, but terrible at drawing and storyboarding and really plotting out your story from a visual standpoint, then this might be the episode for you. 
Today, my guest is Nick Sung. Nick Sung worked for Pixar, and he's also worked for Airbnb and Nike and Slack. You know, just these little companies nobody's ever heard of. So Nick is a story artist, and a story artist is a lot of things, as we'll find out today. And one of the things he does is takes a story and lays it out visually after the script comes in, and then also sees where he can dive deeper into the story or what things that he can bring out or elevate. This is called plussing, as he'll tell he'll tell us in the episode. But I had a great conversation with Nick. He worked for Pixar for a long time, which are pretty much known as the masters of storytelling. And he had a great time. And he was also part of Project Snow White, which was something that Airbnb did. They hired Pixar story artists to come in and help draw out the story of the user experience from either hosts or guests of uh, on Airbnb. And I just thought that was such an awesome way to kind of map it out and see what your customers or users may go through. And I think it's something that we can all utilize in, in our brands and in our organizations. I recently taught a, a storytelling workshop and I told Nick about this and I had a question about storyboarding, which I really wasn't prepared to to answer or help that much with because I really haven't spent that much time doing it. You know, coming from a documentary background, I, I, I wing it a lot. I know the direction we want to move in. I really like to outline things. But because I haven't ever been a good visual artist or drawer, I've always kind of kind of neglected that stage of the process. And after talking to Nick, uh, I learned how, like, really how important it is, not just as like one extra thing to do to be more prepared, but how it can help really draw out new layers of the story that maybe you, you didn't realize or you were overlooking. And when I started this podcast, I was excited to bring good storytelling information to the people that that already followed me, brands and organizations. Most mostly purpose purpose driven people in uh, companies and organizations, and to help them tell their stories better. But one of the byproducts that I'm I'm really excited about is that I also learn a lot, like each episode. But in this one, not o- not only was it not different, but I really learned some cool things from talking to Nick um, that I can immediately apply to to my writing and to my filmmaking. And so I'm super appreciative that he came on. We talked a lot about the nature of collaboration in art and how important it is to be able to empathize and connect and, and collaborate and communicate with people and how it's important to both Nick and myself to have a social component to the work that we do to try to make the world a better place. I don't want to spoil too much, but I was really excited how crucial it is to question everything that you're doing when you're creating something because all of us have the goal of creating something good and profound and something that will that will connect and, and, and impact our audience. But to do that, we have to be really hyper self-aware and just look at all the possible outcomes and paths that we can take and that brings us back to the collaborative nature of art. So this episode is chock full of great information So I'm going to go ahead and shut up so you guys can hear the man of the hour, Nick Sung, story artist. Here he is. Check him out. Well, Nick, thanks for joining us today. Uh, How was your weekend? 
it was great. It was great. Um, are you working? What are you working on these days? What are you excited about? Uh, I'm working on a bunch of stuff and not much. I'm kind of uh, between projects. I had uh, some interesting UX stuff and film stuff wrap, and so now I'm I'm kind of uh, just like looking towards the summer. Um, That's good. Is it one of those breaks that you're excited about or nervous about? <laughs> a little bit both. <laughs> right, right. As a as as an independent like freelancer, I I can empathize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I get, I tend to get excited by good collaborations mm -hmm. and interesting ideas and all of these projects, um, you know, have both of those, both of those components. Um, so they're, they're pretty ba like basic, you know, fundamental things that, you know, we're not even talking about the content of the projects, right, but, right. um, having good people to work with and having like an interesting, you know, problem to solve or question yeah. to answer like that that goes a long a long way yeah absolutely what what um i know you i know you do several things but what's the kind of role you find yourself in the most what's a what's a typical job for you oh boy right so i, I, I know <laughs> <laughs> a typical job for me what do you do you, nick you're gonna have to you're gonna you'll uh, i what I is it that you do <laughs> This is what my mom is always asking Dude, me. Dude, the same. Um, That's, uh, I literally, like, when I asked that question, I heard I heard my mom and my brother's uh, voice in the back of my head. I just saw them both because Mother's Day was, was yesterday. Um, and my brother literally asked me that one time. He's a chef. He's a caterer. And he was just like, "What? what is it that you do? <laughs> because it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, okay. Let me ask you this. I ask you this. <laughs> uh, yes. How do you identify? Yes. Like, if I, you know, what would you call yourself? Like, for me, first, I'm a writer. I'm a storyteller. But first and foremost, I identify as like a documentary filmmaker. That's the the easiest one out of the gate. Yeah, I'm, I think similarly, I I identify first as a as a storyteller, right? Okay. A storyteller and a problem solver. Um, if if you were to really push me, I which I, I am. <laughs> which you, which you, which you're doing a very good job. Yeah. Of. Um, I, I would say that that I'm um, a, a story artist. I'm an, I'm an animation story artist. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. So what yeah. what is that? Because I actually saw um, what do you have on your website? Like a, a a letter a letter to to the young story artist. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I thought was really sweet. Like so, t what is for those that maybe listen that don't know what that means? What is a story artist? A story artist is, um, it's a kind of, it's, it's a, it's a kind of, uh, previs person from, um, from feature, feature animation filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So the difference between sort of a regular story artist, uh, storyboard artist and a, and a story artist, uh, is that in features you often, um, have a lot of opportunities to actually shape the narrative, to talk about big themes and structures, to talk about characters and their relationships. Um, and then you you turn that into into graphics, into visuals um, that sort of map out a, the film, map out the cinematography. But it's the combination of those two things. It's like coming up with um, these beautiful ideas and relationships, and and then dramatizing them with mm -hmm. images. So, so when you're working with someone on a film, 
do they approach you with a shot list and you just kind of uh cr- you know create the storyboards out of that or do you are you collaborating with them on that process about you know what shot should go next it's it's more the latter mm-hmm. um yeah you know often there's uh there's a script that we're working from mm-hmm. and then our job is to in- interpret that but also to like to sort of plus the script. So plusing is a term that's taken from animation where, um, you know, you're sort of accepting what's being given to you in good faith. And you're saying, well, how do we, how do we make this, you know, um, how can we play with what's here and like, and bring it up and make it cooler and, and elevate it and make it sort of ring more true. So, you know, if that means, if that means um, shuffling around some of the elements or changing a line, you propose that. If that also means, okay, well, we're going to have the sequence of shots to accomplish this, then it also means that. So you kind of, you, you, you work on the structural framework mm-hmm. um, and you work on the sort of um, technical execution. So plusing, I mean, does that come from like adding on to it? Is that basically mm-hmm. what that means? Okay. Adding on to it, elevating it, like you said, yep. which yeah. I think is a cool, that's a cool, a cool way to look at it. Um, so I actually, coincidentally, I led this storytelling workshop at a nonprofit communicators conference last week, and I had a question that came up that I was only briefly able to address. It wasn't in; it was like a two and a half hour workshop, and we had probably four hours of material we were going through, so it was it was moving quickly, and I didn't have time to address this. But I had a, a man ask um, about storyboarding. He he knew more than most of the attendees. Most of them were like one person marketing teams for their organizations. And they're like, we know we need to do video storytelling. How do we do it? So real, real simple things that I was helping them with. But mm-hmm. his, his question was, and I'll see if you can help me answer this. His question was like, he understood how to craft a story and he understood how to, et- how to edit, but he didn't understand that stage, which you're kind of talking about. Like, he was like, how do I, storyboard it so i know what to shoot to carry out the story Hmm. does that make sense so like how you know how do i how do i know what shots to to get or even put in there so we touched briefly on like you know the types of shots and why you would use them like this shot offers more context this shot offers more detail but if someone asked you that and they're working on a project and trying to storyboard it so that they can know what to go shoot and then get those shots how would you advise them or walk them through that part of the process ooh that is a that's an interesting and difficult question so you know i think that if if we're working from a script or some sort of uh even just a loose outline you know, I think that that um, that the first thing to do would be to I- identify the heart of the material. Mm. You know, so first it's about prioritization. So if you if you take this if you take this script, maybe it's uh, you know two pages long, maybe it's ninety pages long. If you could if you could take all of that material, but you were only allowed to film it in one shot. Mm. You could only have one camera set up. What would that What would that shot be? You know. Um, but now, now imagine that you can add another shot. Now you have two. What would that second shot be? And so you can see that you can, if 
you wouldn't necessarily do that as an exercise, but but you certainly could. no. But it, yeah, it immediately. It, I love that. I love that. It immediately makes sense. Uh, continue. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's. I love it. It's interesting, right? Because then you're like, oh well, well we. This is the moment that we have right. to see. Yeah, and we have to see it from here. Otherwise, we're going to miss the whole. You know, the whole point of this piece. Yeah. And so you can see that as you start building it out from there, you're. Really, what you're what you're doing is you're coming up with a list of priorities. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, and then you're also right from the start, you're like looking at ways to contrast um, the important things from the less important things, right? So, so similarly, if um, if I have um, this script that I'm working from, and they're all uh, locked down cameras, you know, it's it's locked, it's locked, it's locked, it's locked, it's locked. It's locked. And then for this one shot, we're going to move it. But just this one, well, one, when you make that move, it's going to feel, it's going to feel uh, unlike anything else in, in, you know, in that piece. And so um, really quickly, you know, also as you're building this list of priorities, you are also starting to think of like, how do I set this apart? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, right. that, that was super helpful for me. I'm, you know, I'm working on what it makes me think of. I'm working on a short film right now that just started like over the weekend writing it. And so I'm thinking of that when you're telling me like, oh, what would be the one shot that this would be? It's easy. I already know it. But what it brings up is if you did just have that shot, when other things happen or other characters are introduced, like how how would you, you if you're just using that shot, how would you do that? So I think it also is a good exercise in creativity of like, how you might reveal certain things. Um, not that you have to just use that one shot, but it just, it gets the gears turning about like, okay, if I only have this one shot, oh, that could actually be a really cool way for that character or whatever, that thing to enter the scene. Um, so I think that's a really good exercise. That's that, that's pretty cool. And, and then logistically, like you said, it prioritizes the shots that you need to get. And so if you're trying to shoot them all in one day, you kind of have a list of like, okay, it'd be nice to have this last line of coverage, but it's not imperative to the story. So it even helps. It even helps you plan out the process, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's that's like a very specific way of of sort of building out a shot list or a, a sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 starting from this. Uh, place where you know economy is like being privileged um but you know that's yeah i mean when you're when you're when you're looking at um the realities of production that's that's important too so um so when i was looking at the um the letter to the young story artist on your on your your page one of the main one of the main um bullet points or or whatever was to to master the the craft uh, of storytelling <laughs> what do you like? Yeah, that little, that little. Yeah. That so just in, in, yeah, in like sixty seconds or less, tell us how to do that. <laughs> no, but where? I mean, where do you, where do you start? The thing is, storytelling, for better or for worse, uh, is such a buzzword right now. It's, it's good for those of us that are storytellers, but it's also can create a lot of, I don't know, eye roll moments just because so many people are just throwing it around loosely now. That don't that that don't necessarily know what it means, or you know haven't haven't done the work to actually you know, learn how to craft stories. So again, if you were taking that person, 
in the workshop, mm-hmm. like where would you start them on something that is granted that large to tackle? I'm going to give you the best answer that will be only sort of satisfying. That's okay. <laughs> I think that um, the the I now that I now that I think about it, the idea of mastery storytelling is it's crazy. Um, it's certainly, it's nothing that I've been able to do. Um, or that I think that I will ever do. I, I think it's a, I think it, I think that story is a, you know, it, it is, it's amorphous and it's esoteric mm-hmm. and it like what a story is or, or the best way to tell a story. It's different for everyone, which is, which is part of what's so exciting about reading a book or watching a movie or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, everyone who gets to author a story has a different take and, and is coming coming to their content with a different point of view. That's, that's one of the things that's really exciting about it. I, I think that what's important for the individual is to figure out, you know, what makes a good story for you. Um, there's a, yeah, my, my background, um, you know, as I'm coming from the animation world is, you know, also in, in drawing, obviously. And there was this art teacher named uh, Robert Henry. I think it's Henry. Okay. Henry, Henry. Um, it was like from the turn of the century. He was this old, old New York um, instructor at the Art Students League, and he talked about um, students needing to be um, the students should try to be uh, a master of of what they had at hand. Hmm. There's no like, there's no abstract, there's no curriculum out there that you need to be like like a quote-unquote master of you need to be a master of the tools that are available to you right now right and so if if that's where you're starting from then then all of us can master can quote-unquote master storytelling in some way uh, um by thinking about what's important to them by thinking about what um what they find to be, you know, what you as an individual, what do you find to be compelling in a story? And then, you know, the work that you're making, is it, is it measuring up to that? You know, that's, that's kind of where it starts. So even just, even just like asking the question, what is storytelling? What do I like? Um, starting to do these analyses, like that, that's part of this mastering, but it's, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a process. It's not a destination. <laughs> it's, a, it's a journey, right? <laughs> How would you say a story artist approaches storytelling differently than a writer? Mm. Well, you know, I think one of the big shifts is that um, a story artist is working uh, with visuals, right? Mm-hmm. So already there is, um, you know, an, another huge element that you're working with, Um you know, the writer can map out uh, uh, a framework, like a narrative framework. They can map out like a structure of ideas. Um, but you're so reliant on um, description or dialogue or, you know, you're, you're reliant on the word to communicate it. The beautiful thing about um, having pictures is that there's a lot that, that those, that those uh, images, shots, drawings, you know, comic book panels, whatever they are, photographs, um, they can carry so much that, um, that, you know, uh, oftentimes, oftentimes, uh, you can, you can, you can emit things. And then you also get this nice relationship, this back and forth. Um, 
you know, the, 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 the pictures and the words, like, like they complement and, and play yeah. off of each other. Then, you know, ideally what, what you can have is like a, is new ideas coming from this, from this juxtaposition of, of like words and images. I mean, you always talk about like in a lot of the thing. I mean, you've mentioned it today, but I see it on your website and uh, about the collaborative nature of all of this. So mm-hmm. It's not just like, and I agree. I mean, whether it's filmmaking or, I mean, a lot of different artistic mediums, um, the collaborative aspect of it is crucial. So, yeah. no, I think that, I mean, <clears throat> my point that I was trying to illustrate is that it's it's not just one or the other. And if we're telling no, these stories. Like complementary things. Yeah, 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 100%. Did you grow up drawing? Like, when did you know, like, this was kind of something you wanted to pursue as a as a life path? Yeah, I think I, I, I was, I think of it as being a very common story. I think every kid draws. I just didn't stop. <laughs> right. basically and then for me there were a few a few um moments that sort of you know pushed me to the next level mm-hmm. um an early moment was uh watching disney's aladdin when i was when i was a little kid and um being young enough to be really awestruck and old enough to be like oh huh, i wonder how they made this mm. um and that kind of propelled me to thinking about this as a possible, well, as a craft, as a thing I could learn, right. and then actually as a as a career path. Um, so originally, I went to college um, with the intention of being a character animator, mm-hmm. which is basically an actor. You know, um, you're, you're doing like the performance, but like through the through animation. Um, but when I was in school, I was sort of the worst. I was never at my desk doing the thing. <laughs> So if the if the character was supposed to like stand over here and then walk over there, I was always in the library doing all of this research and doing all this pre-planning. But I I was like, but who are they? And why are they? What's motivating them? Yeah. What world do they live in? You know? <laughs> and so I was drawing from these all of these different things. It'll be like this Japanese movie and sort of, but it'll have the the softness of this like this you know painting and I, and the color palette of these turkish textiles and it was i was always it took me a very long time to realize that i was interested in world building mm. and 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 building the frameworks that hung uh, that, that these characters and their relationships and ideas sort of uh, hung off of so yeah, it's it's a whole journey. Yeah, of course. I like the the that point of recognition because I went through something similar when because when you're really young and you see something on TV, it's uh, it's a whole different world. And uh-huh. there is this point where you're like, oh, that's like you said, that's a thing, that's a path, like that I I could create that because you were old enough to recognize that. And I think that's funny because when I was younger, I I always loved uh, TV and movies and was always you know always um watching them from a, a young, young age. My mom was was helpful in, like, cultivating that. It was just they've always been really big in our family. Uh-huh. But for the longest time, I never, even though I loved it, I didn't realize that that was everything I could do, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I like when that when that moment, um, that little light bulb goes off, right? Uh, what do you think of the, the new Aladdin, by the way? Have you seen um, I, think, I, I don't think it looks very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's also tough when something so like nostalgic and sentimental yes. but we'll see i don't know i mean i saw the um what was the first one he did the jungle book i guess oh uh-huh you know which i thought was done was done pretty well now he's doing the lion king and now it's like a thing now 
Yes, yes. Now we're seeing Aladdin. So I don't know, but there's a big part of me that's very, um, I mean, that is very nostalgic and it's just kind of like, just leave classics <laughs> alone, <laughs> you know? Um, but I mean, yeah. these are stories that on the flip side, I just had a kid a year ago and like, uh, you know, to, to, she's a little too young to be into this yet, but I can understand why parents who grew up in, in that era would love like this, you know, or sharing star Wars with their kids in the new generation. I, I get it. Um, but yeah, part of me is still just like, but it's, you can't ever replicate that, you know? It's, it's true. I, I mean, I do, I, I'm not against, um, remaking things, you know, outright. Uh, so much of it comes down to the execution and the story. A hundred percent. You know, like it's, it's, uh, things get made, plays get it, plays and movies Everything get does. all the time, you all know, the time. People, it's just a question of whether or not you do it well. Yeah, absolutely. People were complaining about, uh, or, you know, some people uh, were critical of A Star is Born. They're like, okay, it's been, it's, you know, been remade, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, four, like four times. Not even, most people don't even know that it was four times. They just think of the Barbara Streisand one. Um, but it was, you know, it did really well. It was done really well. It had a different take, and and, and they did it well. How, there's a lot, though, that they're just capitalizing on something that was successful, and it's like poorly executed and now you've kind of tainted something that was great i see you know what's funny is i see a lot of attempts at remaking 80s movies yeah that could never that could only be done in the 80s like that was such a specific decade that had that was so weird and it's <laughs> like you can't i'm you know you can't do something like karate kid like that's an old that's an 80s movie like everything about it was 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 a product of the 80s and so i don't know but uh, I'm I'm with you. Like I'm I'm not outright against it. There's been plenty of movies that you know people love. Scarface that was a remake. Um, you know, the, the, so that it happens a lot, and it always has in Hollywood. But the yes. only ones, the only ones that like have that negative um, uh, uh, feeling attached to them are the ones that were just like poorly done. They were just trying to capitalize on the brand or something, and they didn't really make a good story out of it. But, I mean. We won't we won't be thinking about those, <laughs> those no. movies. Yeah, now. hopefully. I I do want to talk a little bit about um, just the different ways that you can use um, story art and what what you do. So could you tell us? I know a little bit about the um, the what was it uh, Project Snow White with Airbnb. Yeah. Could you could yeah. you walk us through that? Because I think that's such an interesting way that a brand can use. Uh, can use what you do that's not really traditional, so to so to speak. Yeah. So Snow White was interesting for me because it it sort of um, for me that was the bridge between my work in feature animation and the work that I've uh, kind of been doing since, which uh, has been in technology and healthcare and all of these other you know all of these other yeah. sectors. The middle of the bridge, or the bridge itself, is 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 the storytelling as a way of communicating um, the human experience. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in in technology, uh, UX storyboarding is a, is a thing. People, people storyboard experiences all the time. Um, but uh, when I was brought in to uh, work with Airbnb, they were at this kind of funny point of uh, inflection. They had just gone through a period of hypergrowth. They mm -hmm. just like, Kind of you remember what, what year this was? Yeah, this was 2012. So they were like a thing, but not quite. Right, right, right. 
Um, but they had opened a number of offices around the world um, very, very quickly. And so suddenly they were a young company. They hadn't quite figured out what their um, what they were doing yet. They, they weren't quite on solid ground yet. They had, I don't know, hundreds, maybe, I think, I think hundreds, maybe, maybe, maybe a thousand, a couple, probably not a couple thousand employees, but all around the world, Mm -hmm. um, you know, speaking different languages, they all had their different points of view. And, and, uh, there was a bit of a question of, well, how do we get everyone on the same page? And then what, uh, what is this page that, that everyone is getting on? And, uh, Brian, the CEO and, uh, the head of research insights, uh, Rebecca Sinclair, the two of them, um, the two of them spearheaded this project that they call Project Snow White, which was inspired by Walt Disney's use of storyboards uh, in the animation process. Mm-hmm. Um, on Snow White, which was the first animated feature film, you know, Disney, the the company, similarly, they went through this this you know, this huge expansion. They had to bring in all of these people doing jobs that had never been done before, but they all needed to be organized, uh, you know, and focused on this one task, which was bigger and stranger than anything that any of them had ever uh, accomplished in the past. And so, so um, storyboards, they were kind of the, they weren't the midpoint, but they were, they were, this way of communicating um, the story that was at once like true to the true to the film, like this was the film, but um, uh, but it was like the film in in progress, in process. Right, right. It, it's pre-production, and so actually, what it did was like it pointed to where they should be going. Sure, you know, this yeah. is the work that you have to do. These are the things that are important. Um, now, how are you going to get there? What are you going to do? What's your task? And so from from the storyboard, they could build um, these teams and responsibilities and projects and ideas um, from that framework. And so the idea was to to storyboard a user journey um, from mm. you know uh, Airbnb's sort of two main uh, user types: uh, hosts, people who host on Airbnb, and guests, people who travel on Airbnb, um, to storyboard. Uh, a journey representative of you know each of those experiences, and then use those as um, you know the the sort of point of alignment for everyone's work in the company. What, how did that translate, and was it effective? Um, or did you just peace out after your job was done? No, <laughs> uh, no, no. It it uh, I stuck around. Um, you know, it was it was a really interesting process um because it it sort of it it really challenged um it challenged everyone's um i don't know i guess expectations like within the company so research insights they had done all of this work you know trying to understand what the user excuse me user journey was Mm -hmm. but um you know, the for me, the act of visualizing it, uh, it it like opened a lot of it opened a lot of questions, and it which forced the team to, you you know, have to make a lot of decisions about again like priorities. What is like really important in this moment? Um, and so that 
uh, obviously like push the, the research team to ask like what's what is like the true insight in this moment and then you know it pushed like the um, executives to ask like yeah. what is our, what's like our priority here you know um, as a business and then of course it pushes like the teams to ask like what yeah. how do we um, how do we make good on this or what do we now what do we do with this now you know I'm thinking about the customer um, as like a as like a living person in a complex world and they have these feelings and there's this thing that they're trying to do and these things are difficult and this thing is joyful and it's 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 a mess but but all of a sudden people were responding to life yeah because you're humanizing and, it like it's not they're not the customers just aren't, aren't just numbers or data yeah they're not just living in some void right um and so it didn't present like easy answers yeah yeah but, but it but that like inspired i think a lot of um, interesting question asking. And so, um, so yeah, from there I kind of, uh, began working at Airbnb in this, you know, as like a hybrid designer, uh, research insights person, um, uh, and continue to do projects like this. Um, and then within the company, it, it's uh, Snow White as a framework. It, it ended up being this point of alignment, sort of as I as I uh, mentioned, uh, and in some ways, I think influenced the culture of the place. Like, like you know, this was many years before Airbnb understood itself to be like a community-driven super brand. Right. But you can see like that that from from this early early project, there are like the seeds of we want to think about the customer, we want to be empathetic. We need to be sensitive to people, and that that's where that's where our, our product decisions need to start from. Um, you know, so I, I think that's that's really beautiful. And then in other ways, there are like really specific uh, projects that emerged from Snow White. So in the Snow White, uh, I think it's the I'm not sure which journey it is. Um, it's the host of the guest, but you know, one of the journeys is like 15 illustrations, 15 story panels. Mm-hmm. I think only one of them has people using the app. It's something. It's something like that. So, right. so, so maybe that's not quite right. But it's so many of the other moments that we identified were offline. You know. Yeah. And like 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 what? What were some of the other ones? <clears throat> well, like for example, there's a moment um, between booking the uh, apartment or mm-hmm. booking the, the the you know the the Airbnb listing yeah. and then um, being on your trip. Um, you know, we, we, through, through the process of storyboarding, we're like, well, you have to get there. Yeah. If, if I'm flying to, uh, France, I don't just show up in France and I gotta go and I gotta get a car and I gotta go to the airport and then gotta go through the thing and then I'm packing my stuff and then now I'm like, I'm tired and you know, the the time change and I get what, I don't sleep well in the plane. And it's, I hope it's, I hopefully, you know, someone has written some good uh, directions for me because I get there. I don't know the language. So like that, this moment that seems intermediary and not that important, you know, that's, you know, traveling is not a neutral thing. No. Um, is that, was that, was that, or is that Airbnb's core business? No, but could it be? I don't know. Maybe. Um, and so, so even these sort of in-between moments, they, they offer themselves as like potential futures, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's awesome. Um, 
at that time before, so you started working with them, but you were at Pixar, right? Am I right? I was. I was at Pixar for six years. Six years. Well, that I mean, Pixar is obviously well known for their storytelling abilities. Um, what uh, What are some of the things that you learned from from working there? And in, in terms of that, I mean, they're you know they're considered by many to be like some of the best storytellers in terms of a company or a brand of all time. I mean, all you know, you see their the blogs about twenty two tips from <laughs> from Pixar and stuff. You know, so yeah. I mean, I'm sure at the at that time when you were kind of, I mean, that must have been when you were just getting started, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It so, was. what was it like to 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 work in an environment where storytelling was such a big part of it? And like, what were some of those key points you learned from them? Man, I miss it a lot. It was mm-hmm. it was really fun. It was really really fun more than anything. Um, I think you know because uh, not just because I'm you know interested in the work and maybe predisposed to it, but because the 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 method of storytelling that I you know described before, where it's it isn't just like okay go draw the thing, go go draw the picture. It's you know um, it, it includes this kind of uh, this kind of uh, interrogation of the content. Mm. You're asking questions. You're getting curious. You're saying, what if this happened? You're saying, oh, you know what? You, you know what would be super funny? Or you're saying, actually, what happened to me once was this and that and the other thing. And so you, you, get, to, you, get, to, you get to take a story and, like, and open it up with, with a bunch of friends. And um, you get to do that every day. Uh, over and over and over and over and over and over again forever. Um, but that's a really fun process, and it, it it's very intentionally set up. Like it's it's like literally um, organized in such a way that you know they've got to hit certain milestones. The work has got to get done. But um, part of the program is that we're going to ensure that there's enough time for you to explore. Mm. Um, and implicit in that is that is that you have permission. You're supposed to explore. The reason that you're here is because you have um, an individual point of view. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're not bringing that to the table, then you're actually not doing your job. You know, yeah. um, you're here because we want to know what you think. So, what do you th- what do you think? And um, you know what that often meant. I, I think the there, there are like a lot of technical things um, that you sort of start to clue in on, or that you like learn about. But the bigger picture is that you de- you start to develop a a sensitivity, hmm. really. You know, so there's a there's a theater at Pixar um, at the very end of the atrium where, you know, as we're as we're making the films through writing through pictures, um, we're assembling our storyboards as sort of rough drafts. We're prototyping the movies um, through through these screenings, through story reels. And so um, we would all gather in the theater and we'd watch, we'd watch our our movie, you know, which is our, our movie in process, put together with like duct tape and, uh, you know, it's all, it's all a proxy. It's all like, could this be it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then you sit there and you watch a movie. You watch your movie, and then you ask, "Well, what do, I, what do I think? How could this be better? What did you? What did I like? What didn't I like? What's working? What like what really got me?" <laughs> and, and that you know, when my first movie there was uh, Up, 
And so, you know, you, we, you're, you're working on the movie. You know what's going to happen in the movie. <laughs> and you, and you're, make, you're helping to make it. Yeah. And then you go into the, to, to the theater at work um, and you watch it and you, and you just come out like, like b- bawling, you know, <laughs> crying. Oh, um, and you're like, I guess I think it's working. <laughs> um, but you know, th- that's, that's one of the, that's one of the things about, um, about developing that sensitivity. I mean, with a movie like up, maybe it's a little bit easier, but, um, you, you, if, if you like learn to tune into, into that sensitivity, like you can't deny it, hmm. you know, um, if a thing is, is moving you, if it's, if you're, if you're authentically like responding to it, um, that's, that's like the perfect place to start. And so as a young story artist who didn't really know what I was doing, you know, um, uh, maybe like on a, on a, uh, a technical in a technical sense, um, I did know how to go and watch a movie and, and feel things. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, from there it's learning, what do I do? What do I do with this now? You know, this, this moment, it, it felt, um, it felt false. I know what you were trying to do, but it didn't, it didn't get me. Okay. Why, what, what was missing? Was it this piece here? Was it this line? Was it actually, it's this piece 45 minutes before, if they had just done this, then I think this would have hit a bit better. Yeah, I'm going to recommend that. And, you know, and then you sort of, you write it down. Or maybe you're like, you know what, the whole second half of the movie, I don't think that's, this This is not what, what should happen. What would be really cool is if, you know, it's sort of like in Jaws, or it's like sort of <laughs> like in The Grapes of Wrath, or whatever. Um or it's kind of like when I was on that trip in England and then my aunt said to me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so you start to, you start from this place of like building a sensitivity and then from there it kind of leads into um, sort of technical solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, that's when you end up getting these like 22 rules. You're like, oh yeah, it's that, you know, it becomes <laughs> a shorthand. It's a, it's a yeah. shorthand, you know, like, um, uh, because you, because so much of that work is collaborative, you know, you have this intuitive thing. You just, you, you feel that something needs to be changed. Um, so then it's a matter of like, what's the language of, of communicating that so that other people, you know, can get it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it's a process. It's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Process. You know, we keep coming back to this thing that I like. Uh, it keeps emerging, and in, in everything that that you're saying is this um, that it spawns this inquisitive nature and, and questioning of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to 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 just pause on a moment further, just because uh, it's the only way we can kind of find our way forward. Right? Is just to be self aware and to keep asking questions. I mean, when we were talking about how you do it for, you know, your customer experience. When we were talking at the very beginning about how, um, you know, how to start storyboarding at all. And, you know, you think of you, you, you advise to just think of if you had one shot, what would be the most important shot, but what you're doing there is just like, you're getting the gears turning. So I like that all of this keeps coming back into just asking those questions tweaking as you need to go being collaborative and working with other people who can see things but i think the the constant 
push to question your reasons, question the uh, effectiveness or how it reads or all that, I think is so is so valuable. Um, and, and often people, you know, overlook that. And that was one of the, <clears throat> the main takeaways when I gave the storytelling workshop to nonprofits last week that I, mm-hmm. that I said is like, you know, the, one of the simplest things I want you to take away is just have a reason for the, the decisions that you're making. And the, those reasons come from a lot of questioning, I think, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. To, I mean, to, what's the purpose of this creative choice? Right. You know? Right. And that's and that's what I think you you know you've indirectly laid that down throughout every topic that we've talked about today. Um, we don't have a ton more time, but I saw something. Um, one of the reasons I was really excited to talk to you is I at least like to to touch on this is mm-hmm. just your drive for um, projects that have uh, social impact or community impact, um, social responsibility. The, this these are things that. Um, a lot of the projects I'm working on, especially now as I get a little bit older or focused on, like I don't, um, I'm really, that's why I work with a lot of nonprofits and purpose driven companies is, is I feel like we're in a place as artists, as creatives to either further that or, or compound that or help out, you know, social issues that are going on. And I think that, that things are moving in that direction. Um, so I just wanted to see like, why is that, um, why is that something that's important to you in the work that you do? Hmm. That's a great question. I think that it, you know, it has always been important to me, you know, from an early age, like a lot of the things that I was involved in and, um, um, as a preteen, uh, when I was in high school, whenever, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, being a part of our social justice council, you know, volunteering at the food bank, um, at the hospital where my mom worked. It was, it was like that, that kind of thing. But, uh, I don't think it became like really, I don't think it felt like urgent to me until I started working in animation actually. Hmm. And the reason is that, you know, I started, uh, my career in animation from these personal experiences that I had. Hmm. And, in, uh, as my life has gone on, um, I've had a couple of other experiences with movies uh, that have changed the way that I've seen the world. And have, even more than that, they've changed the way that I've decided to live my life. Wow. You know, I think that movies, that stories, um, they offer these like models of other ways of living. You know, that's, that's like part of, that's part of what happens when you tell the story of, of subjective experience. You know, we get to read a thousand different lives, read or watch or experience like a thousand different lives, and then make different decisions about our, our own lives, you know? Um, and so an early acknowledgement of that, you know, of, of like the power of movie making is that I, if this person makes this movie and then I watch it and then I change the way I live my life, that's, that's huge. And so in my early career, I was like, well, gosh, if I can, if I can do that, that's a lot of responsibility to, to wield. Not, you know, not me as like a singular author, but even just to get to participate in it, you know, this seems important. And when I was at Pixar, I think it, it, you know, that was another sort of moment where it, where it became very clear to me, you know, um, if I think, I think when I was at Pixar, I introduced like one beautiful idea to a movie. in my time there, 
I was like, this is a movie that millions of people around the world are going to see. And, um, you know, the kinds of movies that they make at Pixar, it's like, this will also be a movie that generations of people will see, mm-hmm. or that the Library of Congress will see, <laughs> or, or whatever. You know, there's something enduring about that. The power of storytelling, the power of impacting people has always been connected to the way that I think about culture and the sort of responsibility that we have as people who make things. And so since then, as I've stepped into, wandered wandered my way into, into tech and um, these other fields, um, humanitarian aid, <laughs> lots of other <laughs> things, you know, it it's it becomes even um it feels even more urgent to ask the question like what is our social responsibility is this a force for good and without being reductive there's a hero there's a villain there's like good and bad like it's i think it's i think there's actually a lot of a lot of like really messy in in between in between stuff where you're like i don't know this is good for some people sometimes but who's what is good who are people you know what times um and, you know, then it's sort of like, well, if I'm participating in this, then how do I, how do I do my best to not, not like push my own agenda necessarily, mm-hmm. but, um, but to help all of us like be clear about our agenda, maybe, you know, so yeah, that's a, a vague, vague answer. No, but I-, I thought it was beautiful. Man. That was great. What, what was the, um, what was the one beautiful moment that you introduced? Can, oh boy. Well, you claim it's it? Very- it's in a, it's in a, it's in one of our best films, Cars 2. Not one of Pixar's finest moments, unfortunately. You know, because of that, the the team was like, man, what do we, there's, what is this movie about? So this, you know, the 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 sequel to Cars is this kind of spy thriller that's focused on Mater, who is this uh, kind of bumpkin tow truck. And there's a moment in the movie where um, these fancier spy cars want to fix his dents. They want to fix all of his scratches and and fix up his rust and all of his dents. And there's a moment uh, where when that is sort of put on the table, he considers it and then says, like, no, no, I don't I don't want I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because these these dents, these like scratches um, that I've earned in life, like they're part of what has made me who I am. And so I don't want, I don't want to forget that. I thought that was kind of a nice idea. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, that's all the time we have today, but I appreciate you so much. This was, uh, this was so fun and I knew that we would be able to get into it a little bit. And, (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's, there's a lot of great points about how we can, how we can use them to, you know, use them and use stories in our businesses, use them in our lives and hopefully use them to make a world a better place. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. All right, brother. Have a great day. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.